0: And the only place i knew where there were always elk was hell's canyon i don't know which is its name is, is what it is it's actually deeper than the grand canyon most people don't know that it's like 800 feet deeper so hell's canyon is actually the deepest canyon in, in the country um in north america i think and i went in there i was like you know what i'm, I'm gonna hopefully have some luck and so you're and it's different than most of your hunts where you're not like climbing up a mountain and like hunting during the day mm-hmm. you're starting we're starting at the top and you go down and that's kind of deceiving because you don't realize how far you go down mm-hmm. and <laughs> so you make some mistake, But everybody, they, they're just doing, they're doing e-scouting now and they show up and they think that it's gonna be like a cakewalk, but they're not willing to do like the stupid stuff. Like camping out overnight without a tent and sleeping bag or or like me now, like I'll get up and I'll run the horses. If I can get the elf pattern, like I'll try and cut them off because I know where they're gonna move. And it's being able to figure out the animal and, and then doing like not coming back until hours after dark or even not even necessarily coming back at all. To me, it's all about locating them in the morning. If I can find them in the morning, my goal at that point will be to, to figure out, I can generally tell where they're gonna bed. Mm-hmm. And then if I can get into, I gotta get into like 150 yards. If you could do 150 yards and get out like a, you have to sound like a little baby puny bull, but if you can sound like a little like two year old, three year old bull and, and make some like locator eagles, it'll get some, it'll get those guys up almost always. And if I can get them to stand up, then I have a chance because if they're bedded and you, you break a twig, man, the whole, they're gone forever. Then they'll come back. You know, COVID didn't really, it didn't increase the, the hunting license, the, the number of hunters that like they thought it was going to, but it increased the number of licenses purchased by law.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I want to take a minute to introduce you to a new organization called Howl for Wildlife. Howl was grown out of the necessity to have a fast-acting tool to focus the sportsman's voice on issues concerning wildlife management and hunting. It's Howl's goal to shut down any initiative that doesn't support sound management practices before it even makes it to the ballot, and certainly before it reaches the courtroom. I know I sound like a broken record. But we need to start looking at hunting as a community and not just an individual sport. And that means supporting all hunting, whether we engage in duck hunting or predator hunting or anything in between. We are all in this for different reasons. And unfortunately, it's this difference that will be on our undoing if we let it. So we need to come together as one pack and let our diversity be our strength. We are a strong force if we band together, one voice, one howl. I want you to go to howlforwildlife.org, that's H-O-W-L for wildlife.org, and join there. There's no cost to you to becoming a member. How operates solely on donations, so it's completely up to you if you decide you want to send money or not. There'll be no annoying emails, no newsletter advertisements, or money grabs, or anything like that. No drives. Signing up as a member just means that when there's an issue concerning wildlife management like this attempt on banning mountain lion hunting and bear hunting in Arizona, you will be called to stand with us and let your voice be heard. So get out there, get on Howlful Wildlife, become a member, and join the pack. Thank you. Let's jump into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild, Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we're going to do a little campfire session here with uh, Jeffrey Moran and uh see what what kind of stories he's got for us what's going on man how are you
0: i'm good it's uh been a stressful week but i'm doing pretty good yeah yeah it's not too bad but yeah if you want me to kind of introduce yourself oh
1: definitely yeah give us a little rundown (laughs) about who you are and uh what you do and all that good stuff
0: Oh, I do all sorts of fun stuff, but my name is Jeff Moran and I guess you could find me on like Instagram and stuff as Relentless Hunter without the U and the E, so H-N-T-R at the end. But um, I'm primarily a, a Western elk hunter nowadays. I have spent a lot of time chasing mule deer and whitetail all over the country and, and then I just kind of settled on, on elk about 10 years ago and now I usually have two, three tags a year and, and I chase them around with a bow. And I, I probably, last year was the first time I used a rifle in almost a decade. It was kind of crazy. Nice. So that's, that was, I had a cow elk hunt that took about two hours. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's my, my whole evolution of, of elk hunting has kind of changed dramatically over the years. And, and we only used to hunt cows growing up and, and, um, and I started bow hunting and <clears throat> i didn't know what I was doing and then kind of change everything over. And, and now I've gone all the way back to my roots, so to speak. And, and I take horses or I have horses now and I take them around. And and so my stories have changed every year. They get a little more adventurous, but it's just kind of how it goes, I guess, when you're hunting and you chase them around for three months a year. So
1: nice. <laughs> nice. So you're, you're doing, uh, like a hunt in September one in October and one in like November or what?
0: usually i'm doing two in september if i can get away with it mm. and then um
1: that's code for or, if the wife lets him got
0: it oh i'm not married oh you're not I'm married single. god
1: bless you no i'm single man <laughs> you fucking lucky prick
0: <laughs> i was i, I was kind of going back and forth <laughs> with somebody for a little while and and it's just and she does more hunting than i do so oh well, hell yeah fine. but um <clears throat> now i'm yeah i I'm gone most of September. I work, I work my ass off during the week and during the the rest of the year just so I can kind of disappear for all of hunting season. So I'm I'm gone most of September ch- from like the second week until the end, and then I might go chase mule deer around in October for a little bit, and then I, Idaho has a late archery mm-hmm. elk hunt. Yeah, um, that's that runs almost the entire like this or of November and I the last couple of years I've gone out and done that and the success rate is like minuscule it's like less than a percent hmm. but I, I've gotten lucky to knock uh two big bulls down like last year's was 300 and the one before that was 330 wow and that's a on
1: free that hog for, so for, for that for, over for the counter yeah th- yeah.
0: yeah there's i mean there's no cover no nothing you're not in trees you're not in anything except for flat grass and rolling hills because they're they're all moved down to their winter range at that time so it uh it puts a new perspective on chasing with a bow and kind of what mm-hmm. they do and and um uh, it's just a new challenge and i kind of enjoy it other than the fact that the la- each of the last two years has dropped down into like yeah it's cold as digit. balls <laughs> yep pretty much
1: yeah i could it. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I've had that tag here in Arizona, so obviously it's not gonna be as cold, but in November it's it's two weeks and it usually goes starts the second week and it goes up to like Thanksgiving usually and then the rifle hunts okay. start. But that we we have a late season archery tag here and I've had that tag three times and I've managed to pull out two bulls out of the three tags that I've had. It's a good hunt. I don't I don't mind it i like it a lot actually Uh, i
0: don't mind it other than the fact up here there's a there's an archery mule deer hunt going on at the same time so mm -hmm. the hills are flooded with quads running around and Mm -hmm. like i I was sitting on a bull this year that man i was sitting right on top of him like 100 yards away and he was like a uh, i'd say 325 and i sat I, i sat there all day and probably like half the herd that was with them, there was probably 80 head. Mm. And they were starting to get, they were starting to get up. So I'm just kind of like, okay, well just waiting around. And then man, it, I was probably an hour from dark and he still hadn't gotten up yet. And then a quad comes down the rim, like up above me and that whole herd kicked and took off. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. So
2: like, I know
0: it's, what that's about. Gotta, <laughs> it's, there's no, there's nowhere you can't can't get without roads nowadays and that that section is even blocked off like there's a gate that somebody took off the hinges and they Mm. busted the trail cam out and everything so you can't they they don't care
1: yeah that 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 we wonder why we keep losing access and shit like that because it's stupidity it's It's, always it's always just a few handful of people that fuck it up for everybody
0: you know that's and they they do it all the time and that's actually why i got started into bow hunting was mm. i was like four miles back years and years ago and there's no trails no roads or anything and, and this uh all of a sudden i i was i heard a quad and i'm like what a world and like through the timber comes this guy, this big fat dude and he had like a 12 pack of Corona on the back of the oh, squad, yeah. and He was just driving around the hills and that guy shot a bull every single year. Mm. But it's like you know what? It's, that's po- that's
1: what the it. poster child for Houston right there. <laughs> no, seriously, like that they look for that stuff. We shoot ourselves on the foot when we do, do dumb shit like that and you know, and then and then they take that and they paint that picture in you know, mainstream media of what a hunter is. And, you know, I know that that's a very, very, very small percent of, of what we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, hunters can't get out of their own way to begin with, but then unfortunately like the hunting community can't a lot of times. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, when all of a sudden it hits the media like that and they, we get blasted for something just like right now, I know over, I'm looking at property over in Eastern Idaho and stuff and, and well, actually they just relisted the wolf mm. and across almost everything across the entire country, except for Idaho and, and uh, Montana, Wyoming. Yeah. And they just had what, there was like six dogs or something like that it was, they were killed right outside of Yellowstone, which it, it was legal. It was a hundred percent legal what they did. Mm-hmm. And but of course, the the anti's are blowing it up left and right. That hunters went and slaughtered the wolves out of Yellowstone, and you know, I, get, I don't think if I get you tried,
1: them, you could do it now.
0: You can't. It's it's impossible. They uh, and I'll i probably I probably shouldn't release the information, but whatever. I, I know a couple of years ago, I knew a guy that was part of the the wolf count uh, mm-hmm. in in the Idaho area, and they took their number that they gave back. Was about four times what the public released, what Fishing Game and those guys released. Really? Why? You know, That's bullshit. Because it, 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 you know, I have to think that it has to do with it, it's all money. Because if you don't have, if the anti's don't have a, a, a way to put money into people's pockets through hmm. all this stuff, like I, I think, I think it goes both ways. They're just they're just feeding the beast with the the dollar. You're not. Like, you're not
1: wrong. You're really not.
0: <laughs> and you know, I know the grizzly population is significantly larger than they say it is, too. But yep, there's nothing we can do about it. And uh, I'm pretty in tune with a couple of the conservation groups and asking about them trying to get a, another grizzly hunt going and everything because we're finding them shoot. They're actually we cut tracks less than an hour and a half from Boise. Jesus, so they made low. It all the way across the state. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. So it's, uh, once once they the grizzlies get into the cities and and somebody's dog or kid dies then uh, unfortunately it's what it's
1: yeah that's what it has happen. to take something really shitty to
0: happen <laughs> and it and you know I'd be surprised well I, I knew a guy that he owned an outfit up in in BC and they uh man they still won't let you hunt up there but they have billboards and stuff asking you to help feed the bears cuz the bears are like starving cuz they can't find food and it's like wait a second that's what hunting is but Nobody wants to see it that way. Nope. So, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you guys don't get, you guys do have the wolves down there. It's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, we have the Mexican gray wolves. Actually, we just gave, we just gave Mexico a few of ours from Arizona.
0: Really? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was just reading Eight. that. I was just reading that yesterday. They gave away, I don't know, four, four, six, something, not a whole bunch, but.
0: Do they cause a lot of problems down there? Haven't
1: not not really, not really. I mean, they definitely. There's definitely an effect, but
0: they're a lot smaller dogs. They
1: they are. They're smaller, so it requires a little bit more of them. They're, uh, you know, they're. I mean, they're sixty pounds. They're not like. 60 to 80 pounds like a labrador something like that yeah. running around out there not you know you don't get these 200 pound wolves. but um
0: nah we don't get 200 pounds they just look that big because they're they're fluffy
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i guess right but um, then, we just I have so many lions and bears and competition wow. that i think that it you kinda, know the
0: cat the cat problem i think is bigger than anyone ever has any idea
1: Oh, it, it really is. I just went through all this because, you know, with Howlful Wildlife, we were uh, very involved in the efforts that the, that HUSIS was having here with the uh, lion and bear hunt. And uh, I dove into some of the numbers. And here's, again, the reporting, right? So the biologist thinks there's like almost double what the reported number is. And I'm like, so why don't we or at least come somewhere in between, right? Don't... Because you're just fueling... You're just fueling anti-hunters. And we are... You know, our deer herd's small. Our elk herd is small in comparison to most states. I think we have 160,000 deer total. Like, that's not a whole lot. 30,000 elk. And if you got, you know, 4,000 lions taking one, one a day... That's, uh, our one a week. That's, I don't know what fourth, what's four times 52. That's a lot. That's more than the herd, you know? So, yeah. You know, we have buffer species like Havelina and or sheep herd. Forget about it. There, there's always lions destroy our sheep over here.
0: Yeah. They, I don't think people realize how bad they are on, on the, the some of those species too, but
1: yeah. Uh, Antelope. Cause we have a, Really? Yeah. They get speed goats. I'm they surprised. get speed goats. You know, you actually know what gets speed goats? Coyotes.
0: Yeah. Crazy. The The um,
1: the fawn, especially. Uh, you know.
0: Are I know that one of the areas up here that they the bears are so bad in the springtime because they they did uh there was a bunch of issues with bears in in the farmlands in one of the valleys and they went and they did a kill off fishing game did. And they, they knocked down, I want to say it was like 13 bears in two days. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those bears had an elk calf in it. Yeah. Every single one. And so, people yeah. don't realize like, it, you know, and I've never been a bear hunter and just partly because they only come out with like 30 seconds until it's too dark to shoot. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I I'm going to have to start doing it a little bit more because we can get a couple bear tags just because yeah, I, I didn't realize how bad of a problem they were.
1: I, uh, I, well, I've haunted Idaho. I never, you're in Montana, right? I'm in Idaho. Oh, you are in Idaho. I thought you were. Why did yep. I think you were in, in Montana? Um, cause so I'm yeah, going I, back and
0: forth between buying something up there. So oh, that's what
1: it was. Maybe I remember from one yeah. of our conversations, Whatever. But, but, um, yeah, I, uh, man, it's been a long time, but I, I shot a couple of bear up there years ago, went there for a spring season, um,
0: there? like way up there yeah. in the Panhandle. Oh, you were way up in the in the sticks where it gets real thick.
1: Yeah, it was we took a it was like a six mile or as I say six mile, maybe it was more uh, horse pack in. and then uh, from there that was to camp and then you know, like every day we rode into you know half an hour, forty minutes, you mm-hmm. know deeper.
0: Were you doing spot and soccer or were you doing bait? Or did they have bait I, I
1: did both, hunting? yeah. But I end up taking both my bears off the bait.
0: I am uh, I think I'm going to ride into uh, the Frank Church and and do bear hunting out of there just because that's where they dropped the wolves in 97 and that's where like a major wolf problem is. Mm-hmm. But the predators, have, I swear the predators have outnumbered the, the, the elk herd in there. Oh, it and doesn't so, surprise me. You can, I know one of the rims that I was back in there last year mm-hmm. and they like, you're hearing two or three different packs of dogs at night if you're high enough up on the rim and that's, that's just nuts. And yeah. don't, I know that the wolves aren't causing quite as big, a, as much damage as they, people think, but <laughs> they still, I think they run animals out more than they take them out.
1: It's possible. Um, yeah I I saw I glassed up some wolves and we heard some saw some tracks where I was hunting in Idaho this year it was um, yeah and uh, honestly I remember on that hunt that I did years ago it was the craziest thing so I was walking in on this trail to go sit this stand and I saw a big elk track I'm like oh cool it was like you know fresh in the mud and And then uh, I shot my bear like an hour and a half after being in the stand. So I wasn't in there very long. I turned around came back out and went to wait on the trail where, you know, where the uh, guide was going to come up because I was on a guided deal. Uh, Mm. It was actually, I say guided deal, it was my, my cameraman's cousin who was running Running guided hunts out there, he was out there with us, and but he had everything set up. So for all practical purposes, it was guided. And on the way out, I came across that same track again, and there was a big wolf print in it. And I was like, "Oh shit, wolves we'll just just passed right through here." Kind of made you know made the hair on the back of your head stand up.
0: But have you been close to them when they sound off?
1: Yep, I have.
0: So the first time it happened to me. I did the November deer hunt right outside of Boise mm. and I packed, I packed in like eight miles and that was stupid. I was I like wiped myself out. I wasn't physically ready for that one. Um, <laughs> that, that country gets a little steep. So I get back there and I remember setting up camp and everything. I took a little nap and then I was, I, when I woke up, I, and I loaded my pack up to go hunt for the evening. I realized that my sidearm was in the truck mm. and I was like, well, shit. Okay. No big deal. And then, so I, 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 probably hiked like a mile back from there and I, I jumped this big four point well I didn't jump him. He, he came out with a doe and I was trying to get on him and I had him at like 80 yards, but I didn't feel comfortable with a bow at that range with mm. that deer. And I followed him around and they kind of, they ran into this, this timber pocket. And then I heard them and they busted out and they went down. And so I walk into this timber pocket and something moves like 10 feet from me. Oh wow. And I didn't, I couldn't see it. And then all of a sudden they, I, there's something moved on my right. Something moved on my left. And then all of a sudden one, it, they were wolves and they, one of them howled and man, it was like,
1: Ooh, that's close, close.
0: <laughs> it, maybe twice. So, so I've got a, I pack a hatchet always uh-huh. and I've got a bow. So I like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to Rambo this shit and I get my hatchet out and I'm just like, this is, this is not good. I was so scared, to be honest with you. Like,
1: yeah, I, I would, I would have been there, too.
0: <laughs> there was, there was more than one of them, and they were inside of twenty yards, and I couldn't, I couldn't see them. It's almost dark, and I'm just like, oh boy. I wish I had like a GoPro on. That way, if I did get killed, like somebody will find the GoPro one day,
1: right? And we'll have like <laughs> a
0: good film for it. So, yeah, that was wolves. The first time I saw one, I, I thought it was a deer. And then I was like, "Man, that's a giant coyote!" And then it like dawns on me. I'm like, "Oh shit, we have wolves here now."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That was, man, that was 10, 12 years ago. But now they're everywhere. You see them all the time. Yeah, can't ever get a shot off, but you see them a lot. Well, I think we were supposed to talk about elk hunting.
1: Yeah, let's do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I, I'm mostly a, a September guy and it all kind of happened by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something where I wanted to go out, out and, and try it because, you know, I was getting tired of the, the rifle hunting and the general rifle tagging. And, and, you know, I, I grew up poor and broke and didn't have any money to, to ever do anything with like, a guided hunt, but I always wanted to shoot a bull and nobody in my family had ever shot a bull. So I was mm. like, you know what, well, I'm going to try it. And, I went out and and the only place I knew where there were always elk was Hell's Canyon, Idaho, Okay. which is, I mean, its name is, is what it is. It's actually deeper than the Grand Canyon. Most people don't know that. Really? It's like, it's like 800 feet deeper.
1: Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So Hell's Canyon is actually the deepest Canyon in in the country, um, in North America, I think. And I went in there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, hopefully have some luck and so you're and it's different than most of your hunts where you're not like climbing up a mountain and like hunting during the day Mm -hmm. you're starting we're starting at the top and you go down and that's kind of deceiving because you don't realize how far you go down sometimes Mm -hmm. and so you make some mistakes but i think it was like my second day ever hunting and i saw a bull with some cows bedded and i could hear him and i was got all excited and i didn't know how to call or anything and uh I ran down after him we I, I probably went with my buddy two miles in and well, I guess it was probably like five miles from camp and we dropped down something like two thousand feet and I started cow calling and all of a sudden the whole hillside erupted. Like there's satellite bulls everywhere come flying in. And this is late in September. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've got like I've got like five satellite bulls all within a hundred yards of me like oh, shit. and yelling and it was like something out of the TV show. I didn't even think it was it was real. And <laughs> I drew back on a bull that was coming up the trails at like fifty five yards, and and he stopped with his his like head behind or his his front shoulder was behind a tree. I couldn't see his vitals. Mm. And my, you know those stupid hoochie mama calls. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy blew one of those, and that bull bolted out of there like I I to this day, like if I see one of those, you, you bring one of those hunting with me, like it's going in the trash.
1: (laughs) I got, I got uh, my, I got my, uh, ill feelings towards those things too. But
0: (laughs) I'll get in arguments with people all the time about it, but it just, yeah, no thanks. And so that bull took off and then, but the rest of them, they they hung around. And so we just stood still forever. And another bull came up that same path and I when you're hunting in some of those angles, like I'd never practiced the angle that I was shooting at. Like, mm. It's steep, like 45 degrees in some spots. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I took that shot at my, my rangefinder didn't have angle comp back then. We're talking like an old Bushnell from 12, 15 years ago. And, uh, <clears throat> I hit him right dead square in the antler. <laughs> oh shit. He did. I, I just heard a thump and he didn't move he took like one step and like you could see him kind of like shaking it all it gave me enough time to put another arrow in mm-hmm. we i hit him in the back in the spine oh shit the neck, he, but he only went like 100 yards and he kicked over i hit a bit hit a oh, an artery, artery. Mm-hmm. and that was that was my first bull wow and, uh, <laughs> I, it, ha- it happened within within 48 hours of me ever starting the cut. And you know you hear these guys that go like
1: oh yeah they've been hunting 10, 10 years. years yeah <laughs> Yeah,
0: And that happened in 48 hours, but you know, it's, it's gotten harder and harder and harder ever since. Like, I don't think I've knocked one down inside of like five days ever since.
1: So. Yeah. I, I know yeah. I, I had a similar experience. I've actually had a similar experience twice. Once, once with, an el- with elk was my first archery elk hunt and my first archery coos deer hunt, I shot a small buck. And I'm like, yeah, this shit's easy. And it took me like <laughs> eight years later to get another one. <laughs> oh, it was, knew, it was a, something ridiculous like that.
0: It's, you know, it. I think if I was just going for satellite bowls, I think I could knock one down a little bit quicker nowadays. Um, yeah. Just because I, I've gotten to the point where in Idaho, I, I have it timed pretty well. And I know when they get into that big time rut stage where there's like Big herds and five or six bulls running around in the herd. Mm. That if you can get on, if you can get on them in the evening time, they don't come to calls in the morning. But if you can get on them in the evening time, and blow a cow call mm-hmm. within a hundred yards, satellite bulls will come. Like I can get a satellite bull pretty quick. But I've been chasing herd bulls for the last I don't know four or five years. That's a little different story. So a lot more I don't, going on there, you know. There is. You know, I've I've been lucky enough to knock one down a couple times, but I I honestly haven't killed a bull that I I've called in in probably five years.
1: So it's mostly which, just like spot stock or just you know still hunting or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm doing spot and stock, but. When it gets into that later stage of November, you can if they're if they're calling back and forth with each other and they got cows and stuff running around and they're just screaming their heads off, like you can use You said November,
1: do you mean September? Or September. Okay, no. I was just like, oh screaming their heads off in November. That's <sighs> interesting. Like,
0: actually, the bull that I shot this year in mm-hmm. November, the only reason I saw him is because he was bugling.
1: Oh yeah, they do. They'll bugle. I uh actually both years that I killed my bulls here, they both were with cows and they were Bugling on their own. I didn't get them fired up. I didn't even like you know do location bugle or anything like that. The one year that I didn't, there was you know I didn't hear a peep the whole time. I didn't hunt, but that's not why I didn't get one. I I had opportunities. I just kept screwing them up. Um, but yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of times in November. There's like a a third extra cycle that rolls through, and yeah, yeah, they're definitely not. Yeah it's not the same intensity they're not going to have you know they're not going to be as like likely to come into anything but it does help you locate them you know
0: yeah i was sitting on top of like a weird three by five but he had like two beams coming out of the side of his head and i was going to shoot him and then all of a sudden i heard a bugle and i looked through the the spotter and i see this bull he's about I don't know, a mile away. Mm-hmm. And he's got like six other bulls with him and a few cows, and yeah. he's a big six. And I think there was four sixes with him, and a couple other like five points. And I just took off and got lucky. I took a I took a bomb of a shot though. It's like seventy five yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you get that November hunt, you got to. It's one of those things where as soon as my September hunts are over, I I start dialing the bow into a completely different everything right and i i that way i can shoot at a a distance but i still won't take anything past like 80 but i also shoot like a monster bow so i shoot that apa king cobra out of canada Mm -hmm. and it's your ibo's at like 371 and i was shooting 500 grain arrows out at like 342 feet per second that's screaming and so taking a shot like my shot at 80 is going to get there faster than most guys' shots at 60. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, they, I remember calling victory and I called gold tip and everything trying to find an arrow that could, that could handle it. Cause I was worried that I was going to snap an arrow off in my hand.
1: Yeah. I know you and I talked about it <laughs> quite a bit.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I, well, cause I had it happen one time. I had a, a gold tip arrow snap and hit the riser. And it, it should have gone through my hand. I I got lucky. And so that's like my biggest fear in hunting.
1: That's crazy that you had a gold tip. Was it an airstrike?
0: No, it was one of their brand new, like kinetic chaos arrows. That's cool. See
1: that really, that's really scary to me because there must've been a manufactured defect on that.
0: So when I talked to gold tip and I can believe it because I own a company that I do a ton of shipping for, and they had like last year, they had FedEx completely mm-hmm. blow up an entire crate full of arrows. Some guy hit it with a with a forklift, mm. and he's like, he's like, there has to be, there's no way that that arrow just exploded like that. Yeah, and, and we we looked at everything, and I still have the arrow around somewhere. But he thinks that that there was just something, either something happened in shipping or. Or it would. There was just because it that the arrow was new out of the box. Yeah. Like it had only been shot like one time.
1: Yeah, that's and- that's that's an anomaly because <laughs> the process, the arrow building process. There's basically two styles, right? There's yeah. the ones that go on mandrels and they layer, they layer the carbon fiber. Okay, and mm-hmm. then there's extrude hone type. Or like, you know, not extrude home because it's not a being home, but extrude extruded where it's mixed with like a resin. And that's like your axis, um eastern axis, and then I think Victory does them too. I don't know if it, I no, I think Victory does it like uh like old tip does it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. The weave thing.
1: Yeah. The weave thing. So like anything that has the weave thing to have it snap, that's why they could do that. You know, that bend test that they do. I don't know if you ever seen the gold tip
0: where they're like standing on it or something. Yeah.
1: Stand on it. They'll put it between a bow press and yeah. bend it. Like, so it looks like a U and it'll take those. Uh, so it's very hard to snap them. Yeah, you know, you hit something, you can make them shatter like the end splinter yeah. or whatever. That's doesn't matter what you're shooting. It's going to happen. But those the ones that are prone to snap are the ones that have that resin style where they're basically just mixing carbon fiber with resin to make the arrow yeah you know there's some pros and cons to both of them but it, mostly cons I think on the resin style one in my opinion but um, they I think the one the one good thing about the resin style one is that they, um, they have a little bit better. Ability to have a more consistent, um, not necessarily a spine, but I think weight weight wise, they're more consistent. But
0: I don't know. I haven't. I build my own arrows, but I, I generally don't pay too much of attention to it. That bow is so aggressive that it kind of knocks anything out of it with the speed. But it's. I'm shooting gold tips, or not? Yeah, I'm shooting gold tips now, and they they send me some. Of their new kinetic chaos and we went all the way down to a 200 spine and
1: oh, i was going to say yeah you you i would ima- automatically say you're 200 i mean i shoot a 300 and i'm 70 pounds then i'm 29 inches and my bows only ibo is one uh 340 something way yeah i think uh, way less shooting, power stroke than yours. so
0: i'm shooting at 84 pounds now yeah that's 20 crazy. 29 and a half inch raw so
1: yeah I think I could lift up eighty four pounds.
0: You know, it. I tried to do an archery shoot this year with it. Nope, it wasn't good. Like I had to scale it back to like seventy five pounds or seventy pounds. It was way too rough. Yeah. But uh, any. Oh, so you know, I I thought about this. I'm kind of glad that we got pushed back on the this um, podcast. But I've seen a guy recently on Instagram. He's been he's been doing these videos about what what it takes to like be successful with the the elk, um, mountain hunting. Mm -hmm. And, and he was talking, and I, I, he goes a lot. I'm curious to go back and look at his page, but he talks a lot about like, if you can learn any lessons or whatever, or like learn something new about the animal that it should be considered a success. And, you know, in the hunting industry, most guys got, too big of an ego for that. Like they need to knock some down Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and (laughs) that that's what determines success. It does. And so, and and I get to thinking about it because of social media. Now you get like 10 miles back or eight miles back and you start to see, you're always going to see people now Mm -hmm. where you didn't before. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily, everybody thinks that they just need to go farther need to find a way to get more off grid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get down to it and I think about like my buddies and I that are, we're pretty successful. I mean, I wouldn't go into numbers, but it's rare that we don't notch a tag. And, uh, it's not necessarily the going farther. I think it's, <sighs> I think it's the, the guys that are just dumber like me <laughs> that are willing to do things that everybody else won't. Mm. Um, like I, I had a buddy this year, he kept texting me throughout archery season and he, was, and he said, man, I'll, I'll get up in the mornings and I'll hike in there and the elk they'll always be on these rims, but I can never get to them in time. And, and then I sit there all day and I don't want to blow them out of their bed and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, you're getting back at midnight because you got to hike three or four miles out. And then you're, you're turning around, you got to get up at three in the morning to hike back in there. You don't know where they're at. And you're just kind of taking a guess. And I can't tell you how many times, like I've like taken two or three days worth of food in just my day pack. Mm -hmm. And and I've slept on the ground with a puffy. And when the elk are moving and and I'm like, I'm less than a mile out and they'll bugle all night long. But if they're getting too close, then I can turn around I can pick up and move and they're not going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But, and I know my buddy, he's slept under like rocks and under trees. <laughs> and, and, you know, we always knock something down for the most part, like knock on wood. But it's, I think it's, the, you go out there and these guys will learn their lessons, but they'll go four or five years and they won't get anything. They get frustrated, but they're, they're doing the same thing over and over, over again. They're not,
1: they're not changing it up. Yeah, <clears throat> I was <clears> just <throat> talking some- about that with somebody else. It's that it's, it's that saying, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting this, you know, a different result. Is the was it the uh, definition of insanity or something like that? I, it's, it's something, something like that. along those lines, but but it's I don't the even truth. Think it's,
0: it, well, it's not. You can learn your lessons, and you can like learn to bugle differently, or you can kind of take take this or that for and try and apply it. But everybody, they, they're just doing they're doing e-scouting now and they show up and they think that it's going to be like a cakewalk, but they're not willing to do like the stupid stuff, like camping out overnight without a tent and sleeping bag or, or like me now, like I'll get up and I'll run the horses. If I can get the elk patterned. like I'll try and cut them off Mm -hmm. because I know where they're going to move. And it's, it's being able to like, it's being able to figure out the animal and, and then doing like not coming back until hours after dark or, even not even necessarily coming back at all and or got there's there's so many guys that don't hunt them during the middle of the day and bulls will get up and move all day Mm -hmm. and i like i'd be i've i've knocked down several bulls in the middle of the afternoon and people just don't they're not out hunting they don't know how to hunt them they don't know how to call for them during that time i just it's uh it kind of blows my mind at at what people do nowadays and, and so, t- so teach
1: us how to hunt them during the middle of the day. I want to hear <laughs> what do you do? How,
0: you, it's to me, it's all about locating in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I can find them in the morning, my goal at that point will be to, to figure out, I can generally tell where they're going to bed. Mm-hmm. And then if I can get into, I got to get into like 150 yards. If you can do 150 yards and you get out like a, you have to sound like a little baby puny bull, but if you can sound like a little like two year old, three year old bull, and and make some like locator bugles, it'll get some. It'll get those guys up almost always. Mm. And if I can get them to stand up, then I have a chance. Because if they're bedded and you you break a twig, man, the whole they're gone forever. Then They will come back. But if you can get them moving, you can make noise again. Right. And you can get these bulls to kind of move around and you can, you got to play the wind and you got to play everything else, but it's, it's, it's just a matter of trying to, to get on top of them and not blow them out of the countryside. Just, just enough to bugle. But I mean, to me, that that's, that's how I've been able to pull them in it, it, during that afternoon period when when they're bedded down and, and nobody wants to get up and it's hot, and they're they're usually just kind of curious. They're not coming in aggressive. They're not doing anything like out of the ordinary, but they'll still talk.
2: Mm-hmm. They'll
0: still move around, but you got to be close. Like to me, I've I've never heard a bull in the afternoon bugling from like four miles away. It's always you got to be right on top of them. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, that's that's just my my opinion, but I think guys just they don't want to push it. They don't want to like, if they don't know where they're at, they don't learn. They haven't learned how they bed. They haven't learned where they're going. They just kind of avoid it. And that's, I don't know. It's been interesting to hear a lot of guys lately. Cause I, I mean, I've always generally had luck and I'm, I didn't know what I was doing. I just got lucky. But some of these guys are not, they're not going out they're not chasing them in the afternoon. They don't take, like a day or two with a food with them. They don't take anything but like one water bottle. Mm -hmm. I know they make these $700 packs for a reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, um, I don't, I definitely don't disagree with your tactic and wanting to do what, what other people are not doing. I myself am a guy who does not like to sleep out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> even in a, even in a tent because the key right, word right there is sleep. I don't actually get to sleep. I don't know. Right. Very light sleeper. I need to be very comfortable. Like I'm not even comfortable in my own bed, let alone <laughs> laying on the floor, even with a freaking mat and whatnot. So, but I so do. You don't do
0: the whole like guide like way back in there kind of a thing.
1: No, man. I, or are you, know, you
0: go to the sh- the I'm, sheep here. Sheep. Or
1: are you a camper guy? I am neither. I will sleep in a freaking okay. motel, okay? And I will get up <laughs> two hours earlier than everybody else. And I will hike my happy ass in. Because so people like, so last year I was posting like, oh, yeah, we did 14 miles a day. Oh, we did 12 miles today. We did 10 miles. And people like, you know, first off, they didn't believe me. They thought I was yeah. bullshitting, right? But the, the simple fact is that I go all the way back in and I come all the way back out at night because I would rather sleep for five hours on a mattress than get eight hours of not sleeping on the ground. <laughs> I would
0: rather yeah. burn my fucking legs out hiking in and out. See, and that's the thing to me is like, if I'm four miles back and it gets dark, like, okay. I'm just going to sleep there.
1: Yeah. See, it's I, me, but I, I would love to do that. I would honestly, I would love it. it. would save my feet. Cause I got the worst feet in the whole world, my legs and my knees and all that shit can handle it. That's not a problem, but my feet is where, where I fail usually. And, um, man, I would love to do that. And I do it sometime. I have done it. It's not like I haven't done it, but you know, I'll bring a bivy with me or whatever, um, I always have, because I've gotten caught out there where I've had to stay out there um, a couple of times, I always have like one of those emergency bivy sack deals that, you know, close up to the size of your fist. I always have that in my backpack. So that I do have the option, yeah, you know, if I'm on a 400-inch bull or something crazy like that. and Right. You know... I'm probably going to try to stick with them all night long, or whatever, and then make a play in the morning. But um, yeah, if the motivation's not great enough for me to do it, I'd rather hike in and out. And I, yeah, I mean, I've had success, so I can't. You know,
0: I, I think I'll go with you on the motivation thing because. Generally, like the average bull that I see, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm not going to do it for a five point. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, people were pissed at me this year because I I passed on multiple five points at like 30 yards for my September hunt mm. because I just I just didn't want to pack them out. Yeah. And people were complaining about it, and they're like, "Why would you just skip?" And I was like, "Well, my freezer's full to begin with, but my." The tag that I have, it turns into a rifle cow tag in October. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, I'll go shoot a cow off the road. And, like, well, not necessarily off the road. You know what I'm, yeah,
1: I know what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it easy that yeah. You don't have to back six miles of, of, uh, right, you know, meat out and whatever. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And, and it tastes better. And usually don't have, like, I don't know, with a rifle, generally they don't go as far if you, like, make an act, like, accident, mm-hmm. and shoot wrong. Um, But, yeah, I don't – if it's something big, then, yeah, I'll do it. I had a – I was chasing around a – he was probably 360, uh, six by – yeah, six by seven this year, and I couldn't – man, I had him twice. Couldn't get a shot, and I was kind of a – that was disappointing. And the year before, I I was on a bull. Actually, I just made a post kind of about it, but I was chasing a bull that we knew in Wyoming for – I knew about him for three years before I finally got a tag and he was still running around in there because nice. in Wyoming, Wyoming outfitters, they, they can only go so far. Like they have to leave base camp and come back to base camp every single day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They can't like spike camp if something's way back in there. And so I had a buddy who knew this bull existed and he was, but he was too far for them to ever go. So I drew that tag finally and, and went back in there, man. I spent 20 days chasing that bastard. Oh shit. And, could never get. I had him once at forty, and I had him once at probably like seventy-five. Couldn't get a shot on either one. That's crazy. And then, uh, he was big. Like I thought he was big, and then I had a bull. I called the bull in, and this was the first time I shot at a bull in years that I actually called in. And he was probably in the three sixty range, and I, I shot it. He was forty-two yards standing broadside. And it was like one of those shots where it was a dream scenario and you take the shot and you're watching the arrow go and you like throw up your hands because you've got like a touchdown dance going on. Mm-hmm. And that arrow, arrow hit a twig. Mm-hmm. It bounced right over the top of him at like, man, I I had to miss his back by like an inch. Jesus. And I like <clears throat> screamed and yelled and pouted and threw a fit for like two days. I no, don't blame him. And it. then that, and then get this one. So that same hunt. I was out of food. Like I was literally rationing my food where I could hunt in the mornings but I couldn't hunt in the evening because I didn't have any energy left. And I'm something like eight or nine miles back on horses. That's just me. And, uh, the day after I missed that big bull, I was sitting there in camp and I had a whole herd run through camp, basically like they were like 200 yards away and they ran through in this ravine. They're bugling and screaming in the afternoon. And so I, I had enough food for like the next morning, or I could eat my food right now and go after the herd. <laughs> and I knew there was a decent bull in there, but I didn't know how big he was. And uh so I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna go. So I ate my food and I went and rounded the horses up and tied them off and and I I snuck down and I caught up with that herd two miles down this ravine. Yes. And, and uh I snuck in and I laid underneath a log like I had the wind all right and everything. And this whole herd was like moving right to me. And then they like stopped moving somehow. And for the next 45 minutes I'd laid there while they like kind of inched towards me and the herd bull, he came around, uh, I don't know, probably four times I had him inside of 50 yards, but he wouldn't give me a shot. And I had, I had cows at like 10 yards away, 10 to 15 yards. And I was like, man, this is making me nervous. I need to get, he needs to come back in. And he was the only six point that I had seen in the whole herd. Everything else was like fours and fives. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, this six point comes running in from behind me, and I thought it was him. And I looked up, I counted six, and I was like, okay. And I, I knelt up and drew back. And when I did that, everything looked right at me, and I realized it was some random satellite six. It wasn't him. I was like, shit, it's my last day. I don't have anything left, so I just shot. And that bull dropped on impact with that arrow. Knocked him right down. And, um, I got up and walked towards that bull that I knocked down, and I looked to my left, and that big herd bull was standing 30 yards from me. I didn't see him. <laughs> and it was like, and, and he was, he was massive. I couldn't believe how big he was. He got killed two days later, scored a 372. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was, um, that he got killed right next to my camp. Unreal. Some like native guy had knocked him down, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" I shoot a bull that's like a 280, because I screwed up. But that was the only time I was really disappointed in in anything that I'd shot. I felt really bad about it. But
1: well, it was it was a learning experience. I've done shit like that before too. <laughs> Unfortunately, it hurts
0: your heart, man. I've, your heart.
1: I've done it more than a few times and actually there's a video of me on on uh youtube uh, me shooting a deer in uh in utah and you could just see the disappointment on my face like (laughs) because i shot like a 133 by buck that i was trying to shoot like a 165 four point and just sat sat on him all freaking day long and they got up and they started feeding and I got into position and I thought I saw the tips of the antlers coming out and I was like I thought he was in, in the front and he wasn't it was the buck that I shot and he was right behind that buck and I drew back and when I drew back that buck snapped his head up and looked at me and I held full draw for like I don't know, it felt like forever, but it was probably like a minute and a half. I was like, okay, is this other buck going to step out? Is he going to step out? I'm like, no. I'm like, well, I only got one more day to hunt, and I got to fly back home. So, bird in the hand, then I just shot and pinwheeled him. And... But I was so disappointed. I was disappointed because I screwed that up. Cause I, if I didn't draw back, if I just would have let them keep feeding, and he would have stepped out, I would have had that buck. And... I, I did it again in Illinois on a whitetail. I had, I had these... This uh, It was a doe that was super hot because she had two bucks following it. And they came up this trail past my tree stand. Uh, it was her, the big buck, and then the smaller buck behind him. Went behind my tree stand, ran around. I couldn't shoot behind me. It was all thick. And then I hit my little bleat can a couple of times and i could see yeah. the doe just kind of like turned them and she started coming back towards me she was going to come down this trail that was 20 yards to my left and as soon as she popped out i drew back she trots down a little bit further and stops and i just aimed for where she's at because i knew that's the where the buck was going to stop there because when they're you know when they're running like that they yeah. always stop with it where the doe stopped last. And then she starts going up this trail and here comes the buck. And he jogs down there and he stops. And as soon as he stops, like literally the second he stops, I punch the trigger and laid him, laid him out. Oh, and, he, and I'm like, oh, wait a second. I said, that didn't look like the big buck. And I because I see him bounding off and then he crashes. And I look over my left shoulder and the big buck's just staring at me up in the tree. And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, so I shot like a one thirty five buck, but it could have shot like a one sixty
0: buck. That, so. that tag's hard to get in Iowa, isn't it? No, it was, uh, it was Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, that's not so bad. Nope. I heard um, Illinois. What was it? Their hunting numbers were so bad just before COVID that they were worried they they were going to lose hunting altogether, If I remember right, really, I did not I did not know that. <clears throat> yeah, there was some some they were trying to introduce some law that was going to ban hunting. Uh,
1: that, that doesn't surprise me
0: Freaking they didn't have crazy. any hunting numbers and they were just people weren't buying tags they weren't buying licenses and everything and COVID you know COVID didn't really it didn't increase the, the hunting license the, the number of hunters like they thought it was going to but it increased the number of licenses purchased by law Really, and it helped out <laughs> Yeah, it, you got a few more people out into the out into the field but
1: Wow, Illinois has got Some? excellent hunting. Oh, my God. That used to be the spot. <laughs> Pike County. Like, <laughs> I, everybody went to Pike County to go shoot a deer. The Golden Triangle.
0: If I remember, that's that's not too far from Louisville, isn't it? No, is that it
1: is. Mean? Well, I used to fly into St. Louis, Missouri, and then cross the river. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I haven't so, been in I'm a few up, years. I, we used to have a 600-acre um, farm that we leased. When we'd go. Oh, I get gotcha. you. We'd go every November.
0: Yeah, I remember talking to the Sportsman's Alliance guys, mm-hmm. and that was a big that was a big deal because the hunter numbers are so bad.
1: Wow, I, I was unaware of that. I did not see that. But man,
0: Co- COVID kind of helped. But what COVID did was it, it didn't increase the population of hunters that much, but it increased the number of licenses per Because you got all these guys You're taking like <laughs> spending s- stimulus money.
1: Right, of course.
0: That, that they're buying Hanson, other states, and everything else, and people are going around. Like, Idaho's got a record number of licenses. Oh, same standards.
1: Arizona, too. Oh, my God. We went, <clears throat> we had, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was like 30% more than the year previous. And the year previous, we had already broken the record for applicants. Huh. 30%, something crazy like that. I was like, oh my God.
0: See, Idaho screwed up. So <laughs> Idaho made this huge mistake and it's the residents messed it up. But yes. in Idaho, we used to be able to buy like if if all the non resident tags didn't sell out, mm-hmm. like residents used to be able to buy a second tag. Right. Right. And <clears throat> people started complaining about non-resident hunters here because it's what they do everybody's like well my state's the best right right yeah so everybody does and so what i there was such a complaint about non-resident hunters that idaho fishing game listened and they put a cap on the non-resident tags
1: right now you guys have (laughs) now you don't have that left over
0: right now we did because there was actually less non-residents coming to idaho to buy a tag Mm -hmm. than there was like, I want to say it was like ten or eleven thousand or something. And then when they when they capped the tags at fourteen thousand, man, those tags sell out in like. Millions. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, trust me, I'm on. The, I'm not one of those idiots that spends twenty four <laughs> hours staring at the screen. I got the worst tag. I still have it. I'm gonna probably turn it back in, but I have like the worst tag you could possibly get. And I was on when it you- from six a. M. In the morning, like waiting. Oh,
0: shit. It's, yeah. But now, like everybody's complaining because there's too many non-resident hunters. I'm like, guys, you did this. Like,
1: yeah, no shit.
0: It they, they're the ones that threw a fit and and they made Idaho like look more like a popular state. And you know everything's over the counter here. Like we don't have a point system for draw. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of that stuff. It's, I mean, when you when you draw a tag, it's kind of just random chance. Right. And so I don't like. I'm an over the counter guy. I haven't applied for a tag in God knows how long. Mm. And um, so everything's over the counter, but there's, it's, we don't have the quality of elk that you guys do.
1: Oh, no. no yeah. Well, the, and, not, not many people have the quality of elk that Arizona has, but, yeah. that's, getting I mean, things, but that's getting screwed up here, too. That's getting screwed up here, too. Yeah, because they've, you know, the same thing. Hunters fucked themselves over here. Um, I don't know, 10 years ago, they, did this big poll and asked people what they wanted and everybody said they wanted to hunt more so they created more opportunity hunts and now they're a bunch of units that were excellent units that had huge herds became like you know these where they would throw like 800 freaking tags in there and and now now it's shit like unit 22 which is around Payson Arizona that area that was a stellar hunt. Like 10, 15 years ago, that was a stellar hunt. And now it's like they have three rifle seasons. They have uh, two archery seasons early and the late. And and like between it, there's so many fucking tags. Like they really just ruined it. And right next to it, so right next to it is unit 23, which is literally the best unit in the whole state. And they trophy managed that one. Okay. I hate using that word trophy now because it becomes so yeah. weaponized, but
0: it has.
1: Oh, but they've managed it for a better age class. They're very limited in tags. And that that's, that's a 400 inch bull unit. You know, that's a big bull unit. Yeah. And it's literally, you know, the whole. Eastern border of 22 butts up against the whole Western border of, of 23. It's a lot of the same habitat, a lot of the, same, you know, the one thing that 22 has that 23 doesn't have is the, the, met, you know, the metro area of Metro. It's not really a Metro. It's old small towns Payson and pine and yeah, strawberry. But, um, yeah, there, I mean, so just to give you an idea, that's how the quality was in 22 also back then. Mm. And now it's a sh- just a shit hunt in comparison. I mean, I still like going just because it's only forty five minutes from my house, but
0: <laughs> yeah, you know that's that sucks. They, um, it seems like they've kind of made that mistake in a lot of different places. Colorado is really getting it too. Like you don't see big bulls come out of Colorado anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I think now that they've gone to a lot of it, starting to go to draw yeah uh, they're they're trying to write that ship because it used to be almost all of it was over the counter right and there was i don't even think they had a cap on how many tags they sold
0: i still don't think they have a cap on how many tags that they sell on in that over the counter
1: right so because it's like a but, it's over the counter and it's like over the counter like we have for deer here you just buy an over-the-counter tag and it's good yeah. for any unit that's open where Idaho, you have to get a tag specific to. It's over the counter, but it's specific to the unit, right?
0: Yeah. Well, they just did that. Actually, I think for they did that for deer this year. Elk has always been that way. It's specific to the unit, right, um, or or region or zone or whatever they want to call it. But yeah. the um, yeah, Colorado, I think. They're trying to get better, but you know that they're, they're trying to get better, and then now they're introducing wolves. Like, yeah, what the fuck? What are people going to think when they go into those national parks and those those giant bulls aren't there in those national parks anymore? Yeah, like they're going to be pissed. That's why. That's what brings in all the tourist money.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's
0: just, uh, oh man, it, there's so much mismanagement going on because uh, I, I know, and, but you,
1: you know, I can't. You can't everything. fault the freaking the managers because they're the problem is. Everybody wants their freaking voice heard. You can't, you can't, you you can't please everybody. And in my opinion, as much as I want my voice, my opinion heard, I think all management should be based on science and that's it. See, but you know, you can start taking the social science of it all and, and hearing what people want. Like if you're not managing I mean, th- th- all right. That that might be a little too general. Obviously, there's there's some input that's that matters. That you know, you'd rather see a, a higher trophy quality versus you know, if we're not talking just numbers, right? But right. So yeah, I, I get that. But if I know, I, I don't know. I I can't even, I can't even think about it right now because I've I've already <laughs> lost way too much sleep about it over the last couple months. But
0: it's it's rough. I I think. I think if you did, you you knocked it down to the science and you looked at access rights and everything else like that, like you could you could manage it a little bit better. But the predator management is probably the biggest issue that people don't understand.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's always that's always thing because it's uh, a very easy area for anti hunters to inject their poison. So
0: it's where that word trophy comes in. Yep, exactly. exactly. It's like we're not, uh, a, and I've talked to people that don't realize that you can hunt. You can eat mountain lion. Or oh yeah, mountain lion's bear. good.
1: Bear's and, excellent. Mountain
0: lion's like one of the best that there is. I, I'm not a big fan of bear, but and I'm a really good cook, so I struggle with it. But
1: you, you know what? It's crazy. Or right, go ahead and finish what you were going to say. I got to tell you about it, my Idaho bear. But
0: I, I was going to say the well, if it's a spring bear, it's completely different than the fall bear. But the um, the mountain lion thing, like, is if you don't if you don't notice that you're eating a cat or you don't tell anybody that you're eating a cat,
1: you think it's pork. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They'll they'll think it's like a sweeter version of pork. It's so good.
1: Yeah. No, I've had it. I've had Bobcat too. Not as good. (laughs) (laughs) I've had, I've had coyote too. Definitely not as good. Yeah.
0: That that, that one I would have a problem with. I'm I'm a little nervous about the, the Bobcat. Yeah.
1: Or the, the coyote. But, uh, the bear. bear, So, my, the two bear that I shot in Idaho, I had them all completely done in sausage and had it shipped over to me, like brats. Okay. Yeah. And I had people knocking at my door asking me, Oh, can we have some more of that? Can we have some more of that? I had like this big party and a bunch of people over and I made like, all these brats and everybody was like, You know, nobody knew they were freaking eating bear. And then I told everybody, Like, what? Yeah. And then like I had people call me up asking me for them and I was like, yeah, no, that's freaking oh, bear, man.
0: <laughs> was it... Um, It was a spring bear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to make quite a bit of a difference because they, they're... I mean, bear are actually part of, part of the, the pig family. Yeah. And so they take on the, the taste of whatever they're eating. Like, I, I have a friend up that... actually I have a friend in Canada. She shot a, um, a polar bear like two years ago. Oh, no shit. She said it tastes just like fish.
1: Yeah, but... <laughs> I've like, heard, heard that before.
0: <laughs> I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to deal with that, but spring bear's actually really good. I know this year, I shoot. They're already out of their dens. It's early. Yeah. It's kind of make me nervous. It's been warm. So, <clears throat> but, um, I, I don't know. It's about time for shed season. And do you guys get, are you guys regulated on your shed hunts and stuff down there? No. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah they push them too much and i think it's become kind of a you're seeing a lot more deadheads up here because of the way people push them so but i'll take the horses in and you know i've, I've ventured back into that horseback hunting and it's been there's a lot of lessons to be learned with that and i, I know that people I probably I was I've been meaning to write an article about it and publish it um, in one of the magazines about the DIY like horseback thing because I hadn't done it in so many years mm-hmm. and actually I had, I had never done it when I first came back to horses because I grew up around them but I was probably gone for like 15 years and then people don't realize like in color in Colorado there's um, and I think uh, Colorado and I, I know there's like two in Montana where you can actually, there's these huge ranches that have like 2,000 or 3,000 horses and you can actually rent horses for cheap to go. Oh, the wow. um, <clears throat> you're talking like five 500 bucks, 600 bucks a horse and you can have them for like two months. And uh, so I found these places and you go in there and you rent them and uh, <clears throat> they're all, I mean, it takes a little bit of time to get used to them, but it gives you a whole new aspect to it. But, a bit differently but you do get to have a, a lot more luxuries involved with it so if you're going in 10 miles you get to actually pack in like a canvas tent and a cot instead of whatever you can put on your back so it makes sleeping a little bit better mm-hmm. food wise it's a little nicer but then you have to let the horses graze so mm-hmm. you got to come back to camp during the day or whatever you got to you got to learn to hobble them you got to learn to ride the horses but uh <clears throat> it's been a really nice experience because it. it It can be a nightmare. You could have a rodeo in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. but but at the same time, it it adds a whole new element that's kind of gives it more of a a simple life kind of a feel and you get the ranch, the world and I don't know. It's more traditional for me and I, I, it allows me to hunt longer too. It saves those legs and the knees. Well, sometimes it saves the knees. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) I see. I don't know what it is, man. I get on a horse and it absolutely destroys my knees and I've tried every stirrup position I could think of. It just kills it kills the outside of my knees and I don't know what you know what it is but the geometry of it all I just I cannot I would rather hike all all damn day than get on a See, horse.
0: You know I have draft horses so they're big, they're mm-hmm. big boys and I have one saddle mm-hmm. that it's it actually is, like an 18-inch saddle, which is too big for me. But when I'm hunting and I have a pack and everything, I can push way back and I leave my feet out front. Okay. And it's made a huge difference on my knees. Like, they don't hurt. But if I'm in any of my other saddles, when I get off the horse, mm-hmm. it's, like, crippling. You, like, fall to the ground. You can't walk. <laughs>
1: yeah. that's I can't do it. I mean, I, the last time I did it was actually on a lion hunt here in Arizona. Okay. And, man, we were doing – I don't know, 15, 20 miles a day on freaking mules, I think, most of oh, the goodness. time. A couple of times we had horses, but God, it was fucking rough. Like, I, between my ass and my freaking knees. Yeah. No, thank you. Then, oh, you know what? Speaking of that bear hunt, I was telling you about the bear hunt in, in Idaho. Yeah. That trip. So we were heading, and I, I, from this point on after this, I started hiking into the stands every every day. <laughs> um, we were, we had just left camp, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes prior, and we were just crossed the hairiest part where this ridge is literally, it just drops off down to the cellway, I think it was. Um, oh, that's a rough place. <laughs> yeah. And, um, man, I was freaking out the whole time. And then we just got to this, you know, across this, like, you know, section where I, if I would have fell right there you're done right and we get to this opening and out of nowhere my horse freaks out and i realized and he rears up and he starts running and i'm got my they didn't have a scabbard for my for my bow so i got my bow in one hand so i'm like you know one hand and a pommel and trying to hold the, the reins and whatever and i end up falling off the horse and my foot was caught in the stirrup and, uh, you know, just for like a couple seconds, I got dragged for a couple seconds and then came out. But what happened is one of the other horses that we had tied up got loose and then ran up behind us on the trail and it spooked my horse. And I was the last person. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm walking in and I hurt my wrist so bad. I almost couldn't pull my bow back anymore, but I made it happen. So
0: that, so that um, Wyoming hunt, and this is always a fun story. So when I knocked that bull down and I use draft horses cause you can carry more. Right. Uh, and, and, and I don't like to tie horses together in a pack string. I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I hunt by myself most of the time. So it's just kind of a, an easier deal just to have one toe horse. So I put my entire camp on the back of this, my, my toe horse and a whole bull, the full bull. Oh, and shit. we got out, we got out kind of late. So he's got, shoot, he's probably got 500 pounds on his back. Okay. And, I mean they he's it was fine. Like I I could load my my big horse bugs, I could load him up with eight or nine hundred pounds and he'd be all right. Jeez. But he's a monster though. He's a he's bigger than a Clydesdale. Mm. Um anyways, so we're going out and it's getting dark. It's a four hour ride. And I didn't have saddlebags, so everything was kind of I had two initial set packs like tied together so they were hanging over the back of the one saddle. I had like makeshift saddlebags. Got it. And and then the bulls on the back and the antlers are all up and everything. And it's so now we're in the dark. And I, there's nothing I love more than riding a horse in the moonlight in the dark, like where you can't see anything because you can't turn the headlamp on.
1: Yeah. Cause you blind Cause, them. Yeah.
0: Yep. So it's just, you got to trust the horse at that point. And they usually know where they're going. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm like a mile and a half probably from where the truck is. So we've, we're, we've been going at this for three and a half hours. And it's an hour after dark, maybe a little bit longer. It's like 11 o'clock at night. <clears throat> and this guy's fucking pat goats come running down the trail. Mm. And I call them devil children. They got these big giant horns and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know how goats, they like jump around and you see all those like cute little videos of them. No, yeah. I, like that. I, I hate them goats, but they come running down the trail in the dark and we didn't see them until they were right on us. Oh yeah. And, my two horses like
1: yeah they came unglued, I mean, probably
0: <laughs> oh they did like we were running side by side on a trail that's not even big enough for one horse let alone two oh geez. And like he the one my tow horse was like coming around to the right side and i could see the antlers like bouncing off the tree and it hit me oh god and so i i let go of them and i had to pull my horse back and he like dipped down off the side of this hill and I could see the pack, the packs were like starting to slide off the side of him and oh, he Christ. was freaking out. And I like, I I have a horse that's bucking and it's completely pitch black in the dark. And this guy's like got his 15 goats walking down the trail and he's like, sorry. Just, like,
2: yeah.
1: Thanks. But
0: <laughs> I just had to, I had to let my horse like go. And uh-huh. We just kept, we rode for like, probably half a mile till I could tie him up because he was just freaking out. And then I had to go back in the middle of the dark and try and find my other horse. Oh shit. Like, it was, I was so pissed. I even know the guy cause I used to, I follow him on Instagram. Like they, they, they still crack jokes about it. I'm like, it's not funny. Like, I mean, it kind of is, but
1: it's funny to talk time, about now, right? Man, yeah. At the time I, I, it <laughs> I, was,
0: <laughs> I was terrified, man. This yeah. is like, I haven't been on horses in years except for this like one hunt for the most part. And I got, it's just me, and that horse is like, man, if he would have gone the other way and the the, the bull's antlers would have come off to the side and he would have hit us, like, yeah, that would have been he bad. He would have gored deal. us or something like that. Like, yeah,
2: bad we could have hit a
0: tree. Like, who knows? It was just not. Oh, so now every time I see goats, I get angry and everybody thinks they're cute. I think they're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's a good, I enjoy the horseback hunting. Like it's, it's different. It's a lot slower than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, horses actually only, they walk about as fast as we do. They just right. don't get as tired. But this year, we came, I came up on a couple of different herds of elk and I was on the horses and the elk didn't even move. Like you could get within 100 yards of them.
1: Yeah. I've, I have a elk. buddy of mine that uses horses. We, um, You know, he uses them for antelope, he uses them for elk, like walks behind them and, you know. Huh. Yeah, kind of walks right into the freaking herd with them. Kind of uses like a walking blind. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool (laughs) stuff, man. But I don't know. Anyway. Well, cool, bro. I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us... uh, you know some cool what stories and here? a little insight and shoot the shit with me
0: yeah brother thanks for having me i appreciate it. i haven't done one of these in a while so it's kind of nice
1: we'll have to have you on after the season see how things go
0: yeah well uh well i'm i'm headed in after wolves here pretty soon so i'll, oh, I'll nice. send you an update on yeah that. let me know i'm gonna ride into the frank i think it's about a 70 mile horseback ride so that'll be fun shit um you want to talk about knees? yeah right no thanks I, I have bear and wolf tags for that. So we're going to, I'm going to take a buddy and I think, and I'm, I'll probably go in by myself first, but I'm actually going to ground zero where they dropped the wolves the very first time in 97. Oh, cool. The initial dogs came down at there's a research center back in there. And the only way you can get to it is by a plane or by horse. So I'm going to go down probably back in there and see what I can do. And, and now I know in Idaho, they actually pay you about a thousand bucks a dog. Fuck. Yeah. Um, if, that's a, if you knock one down, so I can't remember what wildlife organization it is, but if you do come to Idaho and you pick up a wolf tag, you pay the thirty-five bucks to be a part of the the management organization or the conservation group. And um, I wish I knew the name; it's the Wildlife Something. You have to look it up and add it to the, the show. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, that's that's one of the things that everybody comes here to Idaho if you. you Spend thirty five bucks, to be part of the the conservation group. If you knock one down, then they reimburse you up to like a grand a dog.
1: That's crazy. It's uh, <clears throat> awesome, which
0: is kind of nice and and because it, man, we got to get rid of them. We can hunt them in the night, at night and everything now too. That just passed, so
1: fantastic.
0: So I'm going to go in there and kind of do that and do the spring bear thing and and uh, so I'll keep you posted on that and you can and see how it's going and any research that I find, I'll I'll let you guys know.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it
0: post it so awesome yeah man thanks for having me i appreciate
1: it absolutely good luck to you on that hunt all
0: right thank you yeah
1: hey guys thanks for checking out the show really appreciate you keep those reviews and those comments coming helps us keep this free do me a favor go check out phoenix shooting bags use promo code john stallone to save 20 percent all one word and check out how for wildlife thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next show